Hi, everyone. This is Ashley Mitchell, the co-host of the Twisted Sisterhood podcast. I am actually here in California with my co-host, Kelsey, in the same room for the first time. Right? This is our first time? Well, yeah, recording. I think in it's person. our first time recording yeah. in person. Yeah. Together. And season three. We're back. Season three. Yeah. Uh, I'm your co-host, Kelsey Vandervliet-Ranyard. Um I don't know what's been going on. We haven't had an episode since 2021. <laughs> so sorry about that. Sorry. We're glad that you're still here listening. Hey, we said we'd be back next episode. And here we are. And two here years are. later. It was just so like stop a blink. complaining. We're here. <laughs> so let's give a little update. What's been going on since 2021? Um, you know, it's so interesting because there's always so much work happening behind the scenes that people think that we just kind of, I've had people be like, did you and Kelsey have a falling out? Yeah. Did you guys have a fight? And I'm like, no. No. We talk almost every day. I it's had a fine. baby. <laughs> I had a different fight going Kelsey on. Kelsey had a kid. Like, yeah. we're coming out of 2020 garbage still, yeah. feels like. Yeah. Um, and so there's just some stuff that's been going on behind the scenes. Just updates for me in Utah. Um, we're working really hard still on all our post-placement care with our need and knee curriculum and programs. Um, we've got groups all over the country, which is really amazing that meet every single month in person, and we're doing online groups. Yes. Um, how many groups? So we've got 15 groups across the country. And how many states? 12 states. And I have that list for you. Let me read oh. that list <laughs> for you. Just in case you're looking for a support group um, in your area, I'm going to read off where these groups are. Um, Fayetteville, Arkansas, Anaheim, California, Castle Rock, Colorado, Centennial, Colorado, Jacksonville, Florida, Indianapolis, Indiana, South Bend, Indiana, <laughs> Southfield, Michigan, Las Vegas, Nevada, Springfield, Ohio, um, Dallas, Texas, Salt Lake City, Utah, and Fredericksburg, Virginia. So if you're in close proximity to any of those groups, get on down there. Yeah, we are still so passionate about our in-person groups, but we recognize that accessibility for women across the country was not... I mean, that's a great list, but really in the big picture, there's still not a lot of in-person access. And so we started running our online group once a month and I run that on a Zoom call. So if there's women that can't get to an in-person group and you want to come to a birth mom group online hosted by me and my team, that would be amazing. And yeah. you can find all that always on, I'm always on the gram. I actually didn't know that. Kelsey. I know. You know, I don't pay attention. <laughs> Kelsey doesn't pay attention to anything. So at Big Tough Girl, you can always find all of our online support group information, which is awesome. Yes. Yes. Um, and then I've been traveling and filming. We're working on a documentary, just really exposing some of the gray and black market of adoption and what that's looked like. Um, that story came to me through trafficking. And so we've been unpacking that in many different spaces um, from Marshallese communities into um, our birth mom communities that are here in the States and how this is happening in our own backyard. When do you guys, do you guys have an anticipated release date or you're still <laughs> filming? So just yeah, to tell everyone. We like, put together a reel that's um, out and about and in the getting in the right hands. Um, but we are filming right now. And when we have a release date, we'll talk more about it. But we've been sitting in spaces interviewing incredible um, professionals in their own right, in their own fields, um, especially through trafficking and stuff, which has been really amazing. I'm so excited for this to come out. And just the content that I know that they've gotten has been so powerful. And it's going to, I think it's going to shake things up in a really, really good way. Yeah. I mean, if this is going to be the last big thing I do, 
It's going to be a pretty good mic drop. Sayonara. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. I agree. Yeah. So, Kelsey, what have you been up to? Oh, just a few things. Um, so, right now, I am working with Ethical Family Building. I'm the director of policy and advocacy there. Um, I I was working there in 2021 as well. So, I've, I've been there a while. Um, and... I've been working on a lot of law reform, um, legislative changes. I do a lot of legislative relations, talking to Congress, talking on state level as well. Um, So right now— It's been really cool to see you do like working groups like in different states, getting people more involved. We're going to be doing that kind of stuff for Utah. You're going to be helping us kind of lead that too, which will be amazing. Utah, we have a really awesome working group in Ohio, and we're building working groups in— Pennsylvania and Indiana and a few other states. And so we're, we're looking to see where are those state law gaps um, or where are those state laws um, not have, where, where are they not taking enforcement on the state laws that they already have? That where are they not taking advantage yeah. of that, those opportunities? And so then at that point, we, you know, start talking to attorneys general um, so yeah, it's been exciting. Um, right now, our big issue is working on unlicensed brokers and advertising. And we have a new platform, um, adoptchange.org. Yes. It features a searchable database where you can type in any um, adoption professional that works in private adoption throughout the country. And they will it'll pop up with fast facts about them. Um, there's opportunities for you to take action on current... Um, legislative issues. There's all kinds of information on your state laws surrounding these issues. And there's more to come. There's so many plans that we have for Adopt Change. And we're just really excited that it's finally here. So. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna talk about that a little bit more today on this episode and kind of break down so that people can understand what's the difference um, between being licensed and unlicensed and who's doing it better and things like that. So we're going to keep talking about that a little bit more um, but what else for updates is going on outside yeah, of that? Um, I mean, that, like, well, that's yeah, not enough. I, <laughs> I mean, I you only worked on that project so, for like two years. Well, here's something exciting. So California is like the birthplace of unlicensed adoption facilitators. Mm-hmm. Um, back in 1996, I was three years old. Just for <laughs> just for effect. Don't, we don't need to do that. I was We've already talked about our decade <laughs> gap 1996, between the two of us. 1996. That was... So long ago. (laughs) So they enacted a law that allowed unlicensed adoption entities or intermediaries, facilitators, whatever you want to call them. um, They allowed them to practice and all they had to do was join the registry with the California Department of Social Services. So that was a disaster in short. (laughs) 27 years later, it's still a disaster. Um, But... Uh, there has been a really great little mini movement here in California to get that law changed um, through a bill, SB 807, and the collaboration of of CDSS um, with the budget bill. Mm-hmm. We have finally have a have a verdict, and the verdict is that they have to wrap it up by January first, twenty twenty four, and so that's really Woo-hoo. exciting. Um, the work will be limited to the licensed adoption entities in the state of California, which is super great news for families and moms and adoptees of of California. Yeah, it's an amazing win. So um, we have 14 registered facilitators in California mm-hmm. that will have to close their doors 
or get licensed January January first. That cuts that is that cuts out so many people. Oh my gosh. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. And um and just to to let you know, like what is the difference between someone that's unlicensed and licensed? The first part to me, the most significant part is that the licensed entities submit themselves to state oversight. Mm-hmm. They submit themselves to state regulation, state oversight. The licensure, especially in California, is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um, they are vetted annually. They're audited, they're audited by the yep. state. Um, they're under the supervision of the California Department of Social Services, whereas facilitators never were. Yeah, There was very little regulation. Um, they weren't being audited. They There's no recourse either. Families were not really able to do anything about, you know, being scammed by these people because there was nothing but they could file a complaint with CDSS. What happened, we found out, was CDSS didn't act on the complaint. They simply forwarded it to the facilitator to let them know somebody complained that about them. That they got a which report. Which is huge. What a huge deal because there's that could, you know, result in retaliation, mm-hmm. um, a number of things. And so it really was not even a safe way to report this activity. And... Um, now and really they were left with civil suits as their only but but these people weren't being shut down mm-hmm. for fraud and all of that mm-hmm. so um they're gone bye-bye <laughs> see ya nice to nice <laughs> to know ya yeah it's way overdue totally but it's a huge win mm-hmm. it's yeah. a big deal to move forward yeah yes and we'll get into that again a little yeah. bit more when we talk about the so, website yeah so really but then, then, then like I heard you wrote a book I did like, I I'm did. in it. Oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> That's what's are. the most important part. Yeah, so <laughs> Adoption Unfiltered, um, I co-wrote it with an adoptee, Sarah Easterly, an adoptive mom, Lori Holden. And it is releasing December 1st, 2023. Mm-hmm. We're really excited. Um, yeah, it's... It's amazing. It's hard to describe. It's, I think it's, it's not my personal story, um, but of course I have snippets in there that do feature um, things that I went through. But also, I interviewed, I think, 18 birth moms yeah. Um, yeah. and incorporated their their stories and quotes into um, talking about the larger experience of being a birth mom. I think one of the most important things, the most important takeaways from Adoption Unfiltered is that each side, there's three parts to it. The adoptee side is takes up half of the book. And then it's incredibly side, researched. It's so well written. It's the it's adoptee pretty section academic. is inc- it's yeah, pretty it's academic. incredible. Um, and then the birth parent side is what I wrote and the adoptive parent side is Lori. And we all wrote to be understood, but to also understand each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important because when you exist on in three different corners, you, um, you kind of live in your bubble. And I think that uh, community within your own, your own group is really important. Like I, wouldn't even be here without like birth mom community, mm-hmm. but also reaching across and and getting to know other sides and other experiences of adoptees, especially and and adoptive parents as well. I think is really important. Um, I think it humanizes each other. Yeah, and I think it also helps us understand um, our own constellations yeah. as well. Well, it has been crucial for me, you know, as we I'm navigating over 17 years of placement with Derek yeah. without the adult adoptee voices 
uh, we would be complete lost in our own management of our totally. own constellation. Totally. And so it has been absolutely vital to sit in those spaces. Yeah. And it has not been easy. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but um, it has been so helpful yeah. for me to be able to be a better birth mother to my son for sure. in this space. And so sure. the book does that. It breaks down those walls for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it really does. And so it's I'm, gonna be good. I'm really excited about it. I'm really proud of the work that we we did. And I feel like I feel like I didn't even do most of it. I feel like Sarah did a, so much work. Lori did so much work. And I'm like, you good job, guys. I wrote my little <laughs> part. Here I am. I'm cheering you on. So um, but it's just such a it's been a really great project to be a part of. It's been a long these these projects that we've been involved in have been really long projects. Yeah, years um, I've been working on this book for two and a half years now. And um, the documentary. Yeah, we've been, we started been, like in 2020. Yeah. In 2021. Yeah. Long. And I mean, adoptchange.org. That has been a three-year project as well. We I started researching as an intern when I was a legal intern when I hadn't yet quit law school. So <laughs> yeah, those are our updates. Yeah. Just, you know, just a few things. Just a few things. And it's really, you know, there's all these things we want to share about and talk about, but there's so much stuff that we can't share. Yeah, um, totally. As these projects are even unfolding. Personally, so, even yeah. personally, there's a lot of stuff that's sensitive that we can't share with the projects. You know, there's confidentiality. There's all kinds of stuff like that when, when projects aren't yet ready. Um, but man, when they are, it's... It's We're going to light it on it's fire. Exciting. It's going to be awesome. It is really I exciting. It. I love it. Yes. So one of the things that we can talk about, because it's out now and launched with just being at the recent um, NCFA conference, Kelsey was there and presenting and um, they launched the adoptchange.org website. Right. And Kelsey talked about that a little bit through ethical family building with creating this database. One of the number one questions we get from perspective adoptive parents is, you know, well, who can we work with if, you know, give me a list. I just want your list of ethical people mm -hmm. and the ethical versus licensed is kind of a different conversation sure. but this site gives a very good place for people to start if you go just to do a search and get on a website it is incredibly difficult to tell if they are an agency or mm -hmm. a facilitator or a consultant the the language that they use and it's intentional mm -hmm. the language that they use it and they say they're licensed in these states it's very hard to know or to right. understand right um, and there's so many URLs that they all own. And so right. it's really hard to know who you're really working with. And so this site breaks down very simple code. If it's in, if they're unlicensed in it, it's in red. And if they're not, it's not. So right. let's just break down um, what is unlicensed versus licensed. You touched on this, but when you're talking about a child placing agency, because there's yeah. more than just facilitators that fall in the unlicensed category. Totally. So I think... Um, so let's talk about license first because license agencies, they have to go through the whole rigmarole. And it depends on state law. Some states are more lax with child sure. placing agencies than others. But um, mostly they they go through, they may have educational prerequisites. They may have to have like an LCSW on staff um, or just an MSW. Mm -hmm. Have to have social workers a lot of times. Um, and they, they have to keep all their files. Um, a lot of times agencies have storage units, especially the ones that have been open for a really long time. Oh, yeah. Storage units full of all the files that they've ever Yeah, when I've gone to train agencies, done. they have full rooms. Yeah. Ceiling to floor of their filing cabinets, their boxes, all right. their records for their audits. And they have to, those files are checked by the state 
Um, at least when I worked in an agency in Indiana, the state came by once yep. a year to audit those files and they had to be, had to have everything in there, um, all of the records. And so, yeah, if you're not licensed, you that is not happening yeah. <laughs> at all. The state's <laughs> not looking at you. Yeah. They're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're fine. <laughs> so you're set up with like what? A business license. Yeah, a business license. Yeah. Maybe a surety bond. Yeah. Sometimes in California, that's what they do. And then, um, yeah, that's about it. You just do your thing. Yeah. You're just skating on by. And we're in the business of babies yeah. with no oversight. Placement of children, the yeah. transfer of children. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so yeah. And it depends on, you know, what they're doing. Um, however, I try to reframe people's mindsets on what unlicensed truly is because I hear a lot of like, well, I worked with someone that was unlicensed, but they were way better than the license. And I was like, okay, Um, I don't care. But also I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm also like, okay, sometimes you have to look at what people are doing Mm -hmm. rather than what they say they are. Yeah, Um, It's much more important to look at their actions, the services they're, they're rendering, um, as opposed to, oh, I'm an advertiser, I'm a consultant, I'm mm-hmm. a facilitator. And like people just want to like come up with some category that they are. Mm-hmm. But you have to look past that. Um, if they're doing matching, if they are doing like, you know, quote unquote counseling with expectant moms, mm-hmm. if, you know, there's all kinds of terms, but none of these categories that they give themselves are actually rooted in state law. Mm-hmm. And so if they're like, well, I'm not a facilitator, I'm a consultant. And I'm like, you may, you might be. Yeah. That's totally possible. You might be. But also that's not in state law. Yeah. So I have to look at what you're doing to see if you are, if you are within state law or if you're violating it. Yeah. Um, you can't just tell because, oh, I'm a consultant. I'm a consultant. But if you're matching... And you're arranging adoptions. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not, you, you, sure, you're a consultant, but you're also violating state law. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. And that's so many prospective families are coming to the table, hiring these consultants under, and trusting the professional that they're hiring with the expectation that the consultants know all this and wouldn't do anything to violate state law, which isn't always true either. Right. And I, I think there's, yeah, there's just a, misunderstanding uh, of what it means to be unlicensed. And unlicensed simply is you don't have a license issued by the state. Mm -hmm. You're not a licensed attorney. You're not a licensed child placing agency. And so do I think that all unlicensed people have bad intentions? No. Mm -hmm. But do I think that it's appropriate for them to be operating in this setting without submitting themselves to oversight by the state, to regulation, and not offering the people that use our services, any formal way of recourse mm-hmm. if they mess up. Yeah. No, I don't think that's appropriate. Yeah. That's pretty simple for yeah. me. Yeah. So. So with this site then, because people are, what people are going to say is, well, I worked with this agency and they were horrible and they're licensed. Yeah, we understand that. Sure. Oh, we we know. Yeah. <laughs> we're aware. <laughs> yeah. And and I want to reiterate too that like we are not saying that license equals good. Yeah, and that's right. Equals bad. It's just basic. I, there are higher stakes than that. Yes, one hundred ten percent. We at Adopt Match. Um, Adopt Match is one of our projects under Ethical Family Building. Um, Adopt Match. We have one hundred seventy six partners, licensed mm-hmm. agencies, and attorneys across the country that commit to upholding our our four um, guiding principles. Mm-hmm. 
um, and I'm going to try to remember them off the top of my head. <laughs> um, access to free separate legal representation for expectant mothers. Um, number two, written post-adoption contact agreement or open adoption agreement. Um, and I just want to say too, we know that PACAs are not always enforceable. They are enforceable in some states. Off the top of my head, I know they're enforceable in New York and California um, for all situations as long as it was filed with mm-hmm. the adoption paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um there's other stipulations in other states, like, for example, Indiana um, will enforce them if the child was placed over the age of two. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I mean, it's state law. Private adoption is governed by state law. So you have to look at each individual state to see what it says. Um, but we have all this information. I can't wait to put this on Adopt Change. Yes. Um, yeah. Our third guiding principle is quality post-adoption support and counseling for the birth mom. And number four is reasonable and justifiable fees for adoptive parents. So you're not, you know, charging flat rate adoptions. Um, You know, there's all kinds of problems with that. But I think, uh, yeah, we have these 176 partners across the United States and they commit to upholding our guidelines. We vet them. We also um, vet them annually Mm -hmm. once they're a partner and we keep in touch with them. We have relationships with these um, agencies and attorneys to, you know, make sure they're upholding our standards. And so this is one of the things that we are attempting to do to kind of cut out some of these bad practices mm-hmm. and and lift up the good practices. Yeah. Um, because we we can do so much better than what we're doing right now. And you're not afraid to take them off the list if they're oh, not yeah. upholding those. We do. I mean, we, we do. do that with our partners with um, that are running our need-to-need post-placement mm-hmm. programs. We have broken relationships with several agencies over the years as we've learned and as we've yep. recircled back to what our mission and our goal is. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as we want birth parents to get support, we also aren't going to make them go back to places that are going to totally. cause more harm. We totally. can find a support group. We yes. can create a support group in a, in that area. Yes, totally. And we, we also, we don't charge a fee for them to be a partner. Yeah. The way that they quote unquote pay to be a partner is they practice well. Yeah. Um, and if they're not, they're gone. They're Bye-bye. gone. Bye-bye. Yeah. So I think that uh, it's nothing that we're doing is foolproof. And I think that it's really important for us to say that because I have people all the time, well, license agencies are doing bad things too. And it's like, I know I'm not yeah. going to go shill for license agencies. But at the same time, if you're going to tell me that we don't need oversight and enforcement on this stuff, you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. And we can't even address the stuff with the licensed professionals right. until we're clearing well, out the unlicensed professionals really with difficult. no oversight. It's really difficult. I think morally, do I think that licensed agencies should be doing these, doing good practices without us cutting out, you know, gray market adoptions? Yeah, yeah for obviously. sure. But like on a realistic setting, like, what we're experiencing now, it's really hard for me to ask them to go above and beyond um, the law and be way more ethical when they are being killed mm-hmm. by yeah. the unlicensed. Yeah. The unlicensed has really, they have really poured themselves into the field. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to avoid. Yeah. Well, and it's driving the market and forcing some of the licensed it's professionals. It's driving the cost up. Yeah. It's more cooks right. in the kitchen. Right. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's really out of control. Yeah. So on that, let's just really quickly cover some of the like good things that we're seeing, changes, laws that have been yeah. changed, and then some of the things that are going to be really harmful that are coming up. 
um, and we'll continue throughout the season to talk about some of these things. One of the things that we've been really excited about nationally is opening up Adoptee Records. Oh, yeah. The original birth certificate fight, the rights to information. Yeah. Um, it's been a really split mm-hmm. conversation, which is really fascinating to me that people just don't understand why mm-hmm. adult adoptees shouldn't have the rights to their own information. Yeah. Um, and trying to protect a false confidentiality that does not exist in 2023. That nobody's asking for. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to use the moms and the privacy of the moms as their fight that adult adoptees shouldn't have their records. And, and it's and we're here to tell you, we didn't ask for we that. We didn't ask that. And we were never assuming that yeah. privacy and confidentiality was a thing. Yeah. I mean, how many birth moms do you know that are just like praying and waiting for yeah. their child to yeah. find them when they turn 18? And I think there's a big difference between a woman coming to an agency and keeping the pregnancy a secret from her mother than keeping the rights to information away from her own child. I think there's a very big difference. Totally. Um, and so we've been really excited to be able to step in um, in places like in Louisiana. Like opening those records up is a huge win for us as a birth mom. I support that fight a thousand percent. Um, so that's been really, really a really good change that is happening across the country. Yeah. I think um, it's important to note too that when you're supporting open records, you're supporting clean bills. So you're not supporting records, open record bills with all these stipulations, stipulations. that make it. Um, hard for adoptees to jump through these hoops yeah. um, to get their records. They should just have plain old access to yeah. them because yeah. they deserve them. It's records about themselves yeah. and their origins. When the bills have the stipulations, like there's a bunch of extra hoops or paperwork or the birth mom has to come forward 40 years later with a piece of paper saying that she gives consent. We don't need to do that. We're with the internet and with DNA testing, there is no privacy to anything. Yeah. Anonymity they be doesn't just get exist yeah. anymore. Yeah. There's a, and just to say there's a, there's a bill in California. It was put aside for this session, but it'll be back next year because it became a two year bill and it is not a clean bill. And so I personally won't be supporting it. You do what you want. We sent opposition but letters for that. We yep. sent opposition letters yep. for that. Yeah. It, yep. It's not um, there were it's too many not hoops. equal rights. Yeah, it wasn't. It's really not. Um, for more information about Adoptee Rights, um, Adoptees United, they put, I mean, they send out emails all the time. They're on it. Yeah. Um, they're talking about open records all the time. They're advocating. Um, and then Adoptee Rights Law, Greg mm-hmm. Luce, he's an adoptee and attorney in um, Minneapolis, yeah. Minnesota. He is awesome. That's and one he, of my number one resource sites. Oh, yeah. yeah if you want to know if open records are legal in your state or, you know, they're open at What all, the restrictions are. Yeah. Yeah. Go to Adoptee Rights Law. Um, he's got maps. They're interactive. He's got instructions for how to get it. Um, he's done so much work and we're really grateful for him um, for all of that. And so use him and Adoptees United as a resource, please, because yeah. they've been doing so much work on this front. Um, the open records fight has totally not been our fight, but we are we are supporting. We're submitting the letters and supporting yeah. and sharing. And their, you can do that too. And yeah. I want to call out to agencies and attorneys as well. If you know that there's an open records um, advocacy work going on in your state, support them. Yeah, we've seen a few really old school agencies like uh, Saint Elizabeth's yeah. in Louisiana fight against, fight against it. it. And for what? You're yeah. a loser. You're a huge <laughs> dork. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. That's embarrassing. How dare you? So don't do that. Don't be that guy. If you're an agency and you're listening to this and you're like, how can I get involved? Honestly, Greg Luce, he'll talk to you. Yeah. 
And Greg, I'm sorry yeah. if you don't want to talk to them and you, <laughs> you will. But no, I think that um, you can get involved and support those efforts because you know, you know, come on. You and know this, that and they this deserve is those. just basic foundational at time of placement. If a placement's going to take place, if relinquishment's going to happen, original birth certificates should be made in copies and given and handed out yeah. to the people involved. Yep, I agree. So tell me, there's a bill coming up or that has happened in Tennessee that is going to be disastrous. So let's talk about that. Well, it's not coming up. It's already passed. It's passed. So it's law now. Um, pre-birth consent law just passed in Tennessee this year. Um, in short, how do I feel about this? It's an abomination. <laughs> um, there is no circumstance where pre-birth consent is appropriate, is ethical. It should never be legal. It should never be utilized at all. Um, and they just passed a bill to yeah. allow it. Um, so women can sign away their rights to their child before the child is born. Yes. What a disaster. Yes. Now, there are stipulations for they can change their mind or the paperwork won't be filed for five days. Um, but it's a disaster. And there is no requirement in Tennessee for separate legal representation. So if she does not have her own attorney, is somebody really telling her? Yeah that she can change her mind within yep. those five days? Or is somebody really telling her that she doesn't have to sign before birth? I mean, these are the things that we have to think about. Um, we see dishonest um, information given out to expectant moms all the time. Yeah. So we want to create a system. In our advocacy work, in mine at least, and I'm assuming with Ashley as well, in my advocacy work, I want to create a system that is safe and secure for women, mm -hmm. for the adoptees, and also to prevent fraud and, and yep. stuff with the adoptive parents. Yeah. Um, I think that in, in many circumstances, there are three groups of victims. And um, I want to create a safer system for them. Yeah. Well, you know, we I have a agency partner that runs their group in Arkansas, and Arkansas allows pre-birth consents. And it yeah. is not a secret to them that I do not support pre-birth consents. I think it is so harmful and so unethical. Um, and so, and just because this law exists in the state doesn't mean that you can't do it differently. Yes. And so we want to encourage professionals that are in states that have laws like that, that you don't have to do it. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's yes. not, you can still support your women and do post-birth consents. Yes. Just because you can in those kinds of situations doesn't mean you should. Well, there's all sorts of things that I think with consents get really messed up. One of them is when I lived in Indiana, I didn't know that like you didn't have to sign consents in the hospital. Yeah. Like in California, we almost never do consent signings in the hospital. Women are signing consents like in the comfort of their home a few days after. I mean, we let them go home and shower. Yeah, we only do consents in the hospital in Utah. Yeah, well, <laughs> and then they MO. put them on a greyhound back to their state. Yeah. <laughs> we're laughing, but we're crying. But we're kind of crying um, inside. <laughs> so I, I think that, you know, if your state says you can sign 24 hours after the birth for like a vaginal birth, uh, you don't have to do that. Yeah. You can wait. Yeah. Um, you can deliberate on it yeah. for a while. I mean, there's really as long as you need to. And you don't need to, you don't need to do yeah. that. That's that's just silly. Yeah. You have to look at the way the consents are um taken and the the situation that the women are in, the environment that they're in, 
and how they're taken. And having them do that pre-birth just continues to add unethical consent. Oh, it, it is. It creates such a large margin. For and abuse, uninformed so it's not consent. Even funny. Yeah, it's it's so tragic. I'm actually I'm infuriated by yeah. that. And um, but we will be we will see you soon, Tennessee. We yeah, really will. So. <laughs> yeah. People are coming for you. You just made an enemy. Yeah. <laughs> so, Well, as you can tell, there's obviously a ton going on. We're going to be breaking so much of this down throughout this season, but we're excited to be back. Oh, we, yeah. We're really passionate about this stuff we're going to talk about this season. Um, it's next level. We have level. really great guests this yeah, season, incredible too. guests this yeah. season. Still on our birth mom thread. Just amazing women. It's going to be great. So A lot of good to voices like you've never heard from before. Yeah. So, no. yeah. Cool. I'm excited. Well, it's well, good to be back. Stick around for next time. Hey, okay. we love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.